We're going back to back. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and who, sir, are you? Producer Matt Duncan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, hanging in there. Uh, how are you, man? Yeah, doing the same thing. Uh, hanging in there, I think, is the main thing we're trying to do. And uh, we continue to do it. We've now done nine episodes in this pandemic. And they're all, you know, obviously not, you know, Raptor season related. So they, uh, you know, you can kind of listen to them at any time. And uh, but the last few episodes have all been about the, the last dance, too. We've really gone through each of the episodes and stuff. So lots of good content there on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. fun. I feel like the episodes are kind of like writing themselves because yeah. um, we're all learning so much and then kind of like revisiting history. And then we get to reflect on what the NBA is like now. Um, yeah. And you know, if people are listening to this podcast, they are obviously found it already, but uh, if they want to mm. share it or tell people how to find it, yeah. what are the, you know, the very, what, what's the hit list? What's the various platforms we're on? We're on all the all the the fun ones that the kids love, you know, iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and Player FM and uh, whatever your favorite pod catcher is. I know a lot of people like Pocket Casts. That's a really uh, great free app that you can listen to to podcasts on. Um, just subscribe, don't, so you don't have to do any of the work. As soon as we get her up, it goes right to your device, and you can have a listen. You know. And what, what about all the folks who are saying, hey, I, you know, I'm spending so much time inside. Uh, I want a toque to wear inside. Yeah. Um, well, what, what would they do? You know, they are starting to open up stores a little bit, but I definitely think that the toques are going to be in the boxes for next year. We're pretty much the only seller of any kind of toque, especially anti-itch toques. <laughs> so right. you want to get a Confederacy Dunks toque, contact us and we will uh, get you that head top for 20 bucks. And, you know... Um, seeing how capitalism has uh, failed on a, on, a, on a global way and we need to support people individually. How, how would people do that for us? Well, we do have a Patreon. I know times are tough and money is tight, but if you can, you can subscribe to that and help support us so that we can, you know, uh, inject some money into this podcast and, and keep it going and keep it richer and, and, and more beautiful for you. That's right. If you can, please do. If you can't, please don't. Yeah. Um, well, I think I'm pretty ready to go. And Matt, if there's any indication of you being ready, please just say okay. Okay. Okay, let's get going here. Um, guest number one. I'm very excited to have him back. He's a He's a multi-time uh, friend of the pod. Um, he's, he's hilarious. He's a sketch comedian. He's an improviser. Um, he plays comedy softball in my league, uh, which may or may not ever come back. Who knows? But uh, give him everything you got. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Hall. 
Yeah, in the house, it's me, Anthony Hall. <laughs> yeah, is, is that what you usually say? Like, do you usually say, I am in the house? Like, do you announce that for yourself? No, that's a new thing that I'm trying, you know. Quarantine has been about reinventing uh, my personal brand, so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a catchphrase, especially for the pod. Good, good. No, I think that definitely makes you seem cooler. <laughs> I actually wanted to have the adverse effect, so I think it's being successful. <laughs> oh, great, great. Yeah, yeah. No, if, yeah, if you want to make sure like you loudly announce like a dweeb is, yeah. is, in, is in the mix, that's a really good way. <laughs> I want people to think I'm a huge nerd. That's good. Yeah. Me too, I think. Um, let's bring on guest number two. Uh, he is uh, my little brother. He is an incredible soccer player, pretty sick basketball player, but I, you know, I think I'm still better if I'm, if I'm being totally real. Uh, hardcore uh, Raptors fan, obviously. What are, the, you know, what are the most accomplished Raptors collectors I know? Um, give it up at home as loud as you can for Thomas Rivas. Yes. Hello, everybody. Hello, basketball world. This song is, I always wondered what this song meant to me. And then now during quarantine, I realize it's just like a weird acid trip. Ooh, I like how Matt kicked that back in. (laughs) Finally makes sense. And yeah, like the beat kind of just like fully, fully dropped. That was cool. Um... Thomas, how are you? Are you still at Burning Man? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Hey, big brother. I'm at Burning Man. As you know, we're stuck on a cruise ship here in the middle of the desert, just waiting for the Canadian government to step up. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kidding. I'm at home uh, comfortably uh, chilling out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I like that you kind of have things so neatly consolidated. I assume that you are, you know, Probably uh, knee deep in uh, just about every conspiracy theory you can get your hands on. So congrats. Thanks. That's for sure part of my life is is deep diving into it. I feel bad giving it to clicks, but some of them are just so not compelling that you just have to uh, research the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, let's uh, let's let's get going here on the basketball talk because. Um, the last dance is uh, is still going on, and it's uh, it's so fun. It's just kind of like writing these episodes for me because it's uh, yeah, it's super compelling. Um, Maddie, I don't know what you got uh, over there in the computer, but uh, give me what you got. Give me that sting. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to do a very quick uh, and and likely rather sloppy recap of the last dance here, just to catch anyone up. And this is your last chance to turn off the podcast if you haven't watched the last dance and are, uh, you know, uh, not wanting major major spoilers or you don't know anything about Michael Jordan. But um, yeah, so uh, this episode, so you know, seven and eight, kind of. You know, it, it really got in deep with uh, with Michael more so than we've seen previously and went into baseball, uh, his first retirement, the uh, death of his father, 
Um, it also kind of covered his his bullying, um, his uh, punching Steve Kerr in the face. Um, obviously, it uh, moved on towards like his uh, his four championships now. So they've kind of saved um, championships five and six against the Jazz. So obviously, we got you know Magic and uh, and Drexler and um, and Barkley and now Kemp and Peyton. He's defeated. Uh, it also kind of uh, quickly covered the the Magic series when he returned. So that's the uh, the only series he lost in the nineties. Uh, which is an incredible stat. He won 25 playoff series uh, out of 26 in the 1990s, um, and we lost to the you know Shaq, Horace Grant, Magic, um, and uh, and yeah. Um, so it kind of is ending with um, currently he's uh, heading into the the conference finals uh, in the last dance season 1998 uh, against Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers, um, and I'll. Yeah, so I'll I'll kind of I'll gonna jump to what I think was arguably the the cringiest moment so far in the entire documentary, and uh, that's when they ask his, his his teammate Cartwright, you know, is Michael Jordan a nice person? And I mean, to say that it was a pregnant pause would be a massive exaggeration. They actually zoomed in on his face, like they did a different angle because he had such a deep sigh because the, you know, the answer is obviously no, Michael is not nice. He was mean to most of his teammates, uh, cruel at times, bullying, that sort of thing. But, and, and, and we'll definitely get into that in leadership, you know, later down the line, but Thomas, let me go to you first and let me ask with that kind of pregnant pause, that cringy moment, what do you think you know, if this is going to turn into a gif and a meme and a major moment, what is the best musical sting you would put to kind of accentuate the awkwardness of that moment? Um, I, I, when I saw it, the first thing I thought of is like the Curb Your Enthusiasm meme. Yes, yes, of course. You saw that and I was just like, like is he a nice guy? He's like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that feels right in my head. Yeah, that was a cringy moment. Just when you're recapping everything. Holy moly, a lot happened in these last two episodes. And yeah, these really, episodes were packed. They were like, let's throw it all in there. But totally. Yeah, that, that's what stuck out to me is that uh, that was a cringy, cringy, cringy moment. But it's yeah. also, that's just uh, that's part of the whole story and the whole idea. And I know we'll get to it later, of, but like, what makes a champion? Right. The things that go into that. Right. Other points, they they talk about his leadership and how some of them needed him to be a complete asshole for them to be motivated in some weird way. Oh, we'll get there. Um, yeah, for me, the uh, the the musical stings. I'm partial to bare naked ladies, so I definitely wanted a like a it's man. You know what I mean? That would be a nice one. I was also thinking like. Everybody hurts <laughs> would be really solid. Um, yeah. What, what, what about you, Anthony? What, what do you think? I think almost just like a classic uh, drum roll, like uh, Ooh, that would yeah. probably, that probably would have sold it um, or just like a really uh, uh, soft, wet fart. 
Like just a, <laughs> just a, just a fart. <laughs> I like, I like your angle. You're not overcomplicating this at all. His, his stomach was so tense. He let out that fart. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, he, God. yeah, he was so nervous to reveal anything or respond, <laughs> but he's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be good. So you're more so about kind of like an organic, you know, fully based, soundtrack like you don't want someone to edit in like a song you want like a whoopee cushion on set type oh yeah it's got to be grounded you know realistic sure um matt is there anything you know i i know you like these these type of questions is there anything that jumps to your mind as far as like a you know would accentuate the moment um just on that that one moment of asking if he's a nice guy yeah, just just to, just to, you know, like just to sell that. Just a classic laugh track. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. A classic laugh track would be nice. <laughs> or or uh, what about like a? I mean, hopefully, hopefully we don't have to hear this later in the podcast. But I mean, a classic cough in a hallway. <laughs> I think could be good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, let's uh, let's. Uh, kind of dig into some more serious stuff here. Um, yeah, we're going to kind of nitpick this uh, this doc a little bit uh, as a doc. Um, Matt, I don't know if you got any more sound cues loaded up, but if you got something good, give it to me. It's this one all day. All right, Anthony, we're going to start with you. Um, so I think it's fairly obvious that um, Michael Jordan has final say uh, on a lot of this documentary. There's there's still some stuff that is, uh, I think, pretty difficult to watch as far as, you know, his kind of is his lesser enviable traits. Um, and you know, there has, it has been a bit more telling than I thought it would be, but, uh, again, you always got to look at, um, who's controlling the flow of information here and kind of like what is left out. And it will be a mystery. No one's ever going to know exactly how the process went or maybe we will, but, um, for the sake of this question, anyways, um, what, well, you know, when you're watching this, what to you is something that's kind of standing out as, you know, missing from this documentary, missing from this story? <clears throat> I think just like kind of the transparency of like who is behind the documentary uh, is a little strange to me. Like just the fact that like in the ending credits, it like doesn't mention at all that like Jordan's own like production company is involved with the project like really is telling to me that they're maybe holding a lot of things back and it also like makes me question like how much money is in this like what's jordan's cut and also with all of like the footage that they have apparently had at the nba under lock and key until like michael jordan has been like okay yeah let's do this documentary like i'm wondering like what else is there that we haven't seen slash that maybe we'll never see and also yeah. like yeah what, what about the jordan dome stuff like i have a hard time believing that like the footage that we saw in the episode of the jordan dome like th th that's it yeah i mean 
that's definitely um, kind of getting to the heart of this question, which is it's clear there's tons of material. Um, there's also tons of people who kind of had unfettered access to Michael for different reasons at different times who, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they work for Sports Illustrated are omitted from this, uh, you know, entire production. Maybe, you know, it's his family. Um, Thomas, I'll, I'll go to you. What's something that's kind of jumping out to you that's that's missing from this doc? Like, you know, are, are you kind of with Anthony? Is it like a transparency thing or? I think, I think what, uh, what Anthony said is just, yeah, that really makes me think too. And I didn't think enough about just how, who's behind it, who is, who is the filmmakers and whatnot. And we've talked about this, Freddie, but I guess my point that might be stealing your point too is like, definitely would love to hear more from anybody in this family. Uh, a lot more from people in, in, in Jordan's family, but, but I guess to go a little bit different, cause I feel like that's something you might talk about, Freddie. Um, no, no, go for it. Yeah, no, just hearing from his family would, would put so much more. And, and we, we are hearing tidbits and those are really some of the best. Yeah. Of this documentary is from his mom and, uh, you know, it really gives a crazy good insight into Jordan, but I definitely would love to, even though it's, it's incredible and we're all so salacious for anything Jordan, it would be yeah. just nicer to hear just even more from the people because it's the last dance. And I understand Jordan is, you know, in most people is just synonymous with the bulls and they're even just learning about so many other players. But, right. I would just love to hear more from, you know, Horace Grant and Bill Cartwright and the, the multitude of players that he played with. Cause I think that that just gives such a, a deeper look into we're following this, this bulls team in their last season. And obviously it's, it, it goes along with Jordan too. And, and, and how that, how his, how the ending came for him, but I would love to just hear more from, his supporting cast, which has been so incredible learning everything from them already, but I want more. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, like think about the arc of Tony Kukoc, right? We see a little mini version of his arc in this, um, in this documentary, he gets, he gets, you know, put on notice and, and kind of like dominated by uh, Pippen and, and bulls with the dream team. But then he, he gets to face him again in the finals and he, you know, he's actually, or in the, in the maybe quarterfinals and he's actually okay. Um, and then, you know, he comes to training camp, Jordan retires. He doesn't play with Jordan at all. Um, the bulls go back to back, you know, conference semis and he has that massive shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd be sorry. It's weird to reference Tony Kukoc because we actually are hearing from him. But, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen a lot of, like, Harper or or, or just a kind of, like, various guys. And and um, just to add to your point, Tom, uh, in regards to players, because I think it goes without saying, as far as, you know, his family, his wife, his kids, who knows? You, you, you never know who wants to be in the public eye and who doesn't. So I, those are the types of answers you you just don't get, but they were obviously a big part of his life and, and this time period. So it would be interesting to see or hear their insights rather. Yeah. But, like, um, what, about that? what about the one kid that he gambled away? No one ever talks about that. You know? Yeah, totally. And then right. that kid Where grew up on a river, kid? that kid grew up on a riverboat and then, you know, 
you know, basically churned out some of the hottest Mississippi licks we've ever heard. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to talk like traveling musicians, then let's talk about that son that Michael uh, gambled away. Just things, things that we know about, we need to know more about, you know? Tom, I totally agree. But uh, no, I, I'm just going to add um, his competitors. I was you know, really hoping maybe we'd hear a quote from Shaq. Like I loved the moment when, when Gary Payton's like, I had him, I had him. It's like, this is great. I love, I love this. And it actually makes Michael's conquest kind of seem harder and kind of more interesting. And I want to hear, uh, I was just listening. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously stealing this from the, from the low post, but um, you know, Zach Lowe was just kind of saying in his, you know, like researching of a series and watching it over and over again. Like there's, there's a legit argument that Sean Kemp is the best player in that series. Yet he really is not referenced at all. Or, I mean, you know, he's like referenced that he exists, but it would be so cool to hear kind of like, yeah, you know, cause we hear from Horace Grant, like, Oh man, you know, then Michael came back and kicked our ass or whatever. And, but um, yeah, I, I think it would just be cool to hear from his contemporaries and, and guys that were really legendary players in their own right. Um, Thomas, were you going to say something though? Uh, no, no, just yeah. To add to that point too, it's like I, I almost wish that they already started building up how big of a challenge Utah was for them. And I know that they're probably saving that, or hopefully they don't skip over it too much and do emphasize what a big hurdle it was for the Bulls to cross um, to get over. Utah, because it, right. I'd love to hear about Malone. Yeah, for sure. Like, was Jordan scared of this man that carried a gun in his in his purse? <laughs> so, I also totally. like, I also want us to see like the these these rivals like you're saying like I, I want to see them like portrayed sort of um, in a more positive way. Like I feel like every time yes. every time they're shown or they get like a moment to like sort of like speak on like how good they are and talk about guarding Jordan, like immediately after they like just show them losing or they show Michael Jordan, like saying something snippy about them. Like, like what's the Gary Payton thing. He was like looking at Gary Payton's like yes. interview and he was like, Oh, the glove. Ha ha. That was so funny, though. Right? I know. Like, yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, as if, like, give this guy some credit. Like, he, <laughs> he, he, he worked you, man. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, at this point, I could do for a change up, other than like you know, my, the the kind of like adage that Michael is like, "Oh, I'm only competing against myself because everyone sucks so bad," or you know, another diabolical Michael story. Like I, I guess, or I mean, sorry, I get that this is who he is, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, cool. Another person he like set out to destroy who was a rookie or whatever. It, 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 I think it just kind of, it has the risk of being a bit one note. And I, I get that that's just, that's his story. But if you're kind of exploring the nuance of the story and, and having fun with it, then it seems like you're missing an opportunity to miss out on or to, to, to neglect to show how rich these characters are in the story. Like, you know, I, I like, like Thomas is saying, we want to learn about Malone, even if it's like, Oh, we want to learn that he's a villain who carries a, a gun in his purse. 
and who like elbows people to death basically it's, it's crazy right. how it's crazy how amazing these other guys were and like we're saying what we want but then it's also crazy just to see how dominant jordan was and that yeah nut like and it was just like like gary payton like you know because when i was watching that moment with gary payton i was like oh my god like yeah what am i saying like these other teams he's really faced some good competition this guy's amazing to really bring a quality and a challenge and then to just see michael with like a full cup of bourbon like laughing in gary payton's brightest moment i was like oh yeah this guy this guy different yeah oh yeah <laughs> michael's a g and like i definitely i mean i i didn't really list it as a question but who here is like in full belief that Michael was going to make it to the major leagues. Cause I think if you watch this documentary alone, you'd be like, Oh, I guess. Yeah. He just would have made it to the big leagues and, um, played baseball. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Anthony, like, do you think that he, it was, a, he needed a certain amount of at bats and he would have made it. I don't think that he would have made it. Like maybe this is just me being like, uh, disrespectful of his baseball talents, but like, even in the documentary, when in the they're they're talking about like how the pitchers uh, started to like not just throw him fastballs when they started throwing him breaking balls, like how he would just like swing at everything and miss. Like sure, he like put in so many hours like taking at bats and like at the batting cage, but like there is a certain level to the guys who are playing in the majors, especially like the aces and guys who are actually making big money pitching that like, I really don't think Michael Jordan would have stood a chance against them. And that brings us back to like, just talking about how this documentary is from the Jordan point of view. Like, of course he's going to make it look like he was good at baseball and sure he was, but I don't think he was that good. Right. Like, I think to me, there's a big difference between Michael Jordan, like being like, you know, a semi-professional quality baseball player and probably being able to smoke the average person in baseball. And then, you know, another level to be like, okay, but if you made it to the majors, your strike zone's massive and maybe you'd be a pitch runner because I think... Yeah, they wouldn't let you bat. Like you, I, I don't even know how often you'd make contact. With yeah, and he—he's what like in his thirties, like when he went down to like to train in Double A or whatever. Like he's—he's he's already like either at the tail end of his prime in his baseball years, or he's like got a lot to do to catch up. Yeah, it's 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 incredible how they portray it. But I think what did like endear himself to that community is how um in like how you know, how much he immersed himself in, yeah. in in it and like i think you know when it comes down to the brass tacks like probably the most mlb players like watch that and like and, and laugh um because they're like yeah right but if i was a gm oh my god i wouldn't even let him go to double a he'd be on my starting lineup he'd be He'd be my 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 my, my what, what, what's, what's the one you put in the fourth in the lineup to hit home runs? He's like, the cleanup. Even, <laughs> even even if he couldn't hit it, you know what I mean? Like, oh my like god, that guy, that guy could sell you 
stadium, soccer stadiums in Brazil. Yeah. So, if you're a GM, it's like people are like, oh, he wouldn't make it to the league. It's like, oh, no, he'd make it to the league. Uh, Thomas sure. is like full Pele part of his career. <laughs> like, no worries. Winning? Oh, I'm winning. He's Money. Winning. need to win. If he hits one time, once, in a six-year baseball career under my under me as a GM, it would be a complete success. And if he and, struck and out all the other times, nah, no biggie. Speaking of GMs, um, I think Terry Francona definitely has like one of the best quotes of the podcast where he's like, I, they told me Michael Jordan was coming. And when he showed up, it was Michael Jordan <laughs> <laughs> for like to be, to be like in sports and just to see, to, to, to have someone like Michael Jordan, like that is such a bizarre, hilarious scenario. Yeah. And think about like being a person who was living in like Birmingham, Alabama during that time. And just like, you know, you're so used to just going to see your double a club, like this minor league team and like see the occasional star, like move through the system. But then, Michael Jordan just walks into town, suits up, is taking swings and like is running around the park. It's like, like what the hell is going on? Yeah, like how much would you care if your if your team lost every single game that season? Like not at all. You'd be like, I'm I I'm a season ticket holder. I've I have access to a jersey. I live in this small town. Like it would be the most incredible thing. Yeah, it'd be like if like Andrea Bargnani started playing in the Toronto Comedy Softball League. Like I would be like, this is the best thing ever. Like it'd be I'm, cool. I'm watching every single game, exactly. even though I do anyway. But like, yeah, this, no, if <laughs> yeah, he's he's here. Primo if Bargs, if Bargs showed up, Primo Pasta to our Comedy Softball League. Like I don't even think people would get it that it's bigger than Roberto Alomar. And Joe <laughs> like Bargnani being there would be a bigger deal because it would be extremely weird and no one would want it. It would be very strange. He'd be like hitting on people. It would like, like, be strange. Like he didn't accomplish much and he'd be like, I'm El Mago. You know? But um, anyways, let's, let's keep this baby rolling. Um, Matt, right. for, uh, for, for the sorry. context of that joke, you should let people know that they did show up to our, our comedy softball league. Both oh yeah, I feel like I, I've said it on here before, but you know, okay. j- just in case, um, yeah, our, our Toronto comedy softball league—it's a bunch of comedians in a in the and a bunch of softball teams, and uh, there was a contest. And one time, um, one team, the Baby Zeps, won the contest, and Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter, sponsored by Bud Light, not the Jays, which is notable in my opinion. Um, yeah came to the park and it was insane because there was only like 200 people there. But um, yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's move on here, Matt. Um, I don't know how you're doing with that. Um, with the draft from the past, you feeling good? You feeling ready? I don't know what year you picked. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep these all related to the uh, Michael Jordan doc. Uh, I chose this year because it was a very significant year for uh, many things that I'll get to. But for MJ, uh, you know, it was probably one of his best and worst years of his life because it was the year that he got the three-peat and also the year that his dad passed away. Um, 1993, guys, let's go. Let's do it. 
1993. Do you remember what was going on? Some horrible stuff happened. You know, the Waco siege, the uh, World Trade Center uh, bombing, but some. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you probably don't have to highlight all the. You don't have to highlight all the bad stuff, but uh, you know, like uh, there was an accident that year for uh, some horrible stuff. Uh, but don't worry, there was some good stuff too. Ty Warner USA launched the first Beanie Babies. Okay. Kim Campbell became the first female prime minister of Canada. Hey. Oh yeah. The World Wide Web was born. Yay. Cheers. This is a huge one. Dyson sells the first bagless cyclonic vacuum cleaner. Huge. Uh, just a couple of favorites here that came out in 93. Mrs. Doubtfire. Schindler's List. <laughs> the Fugitive. Schindler's List. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right after Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> Oh my God! Basic what an assortment of films. <laughs> <laughs> All the good ones. Um, another uh, commercial uh, tidbit for you actors out there. It was the year that the first Got Milk ad aired. You know, that's uh, oh. yeah, for How a while. Did you find that out. <laughs> <laughs> I do my research on on the commercial uh, history. You know. Okay. Thanks. Um, but then you know, since we're 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 caught up with ninety three, let's go to June thirtieth, nineteen ninety three. In the okay. one other uh, NBA arena I've been in, other than the one in Toronto, Auburn Hills. Hey, this is the draft. This is the draft. Okay, we're here. We're at the draft. There were 54 picks in this draft, 43 played in the NBA, and seven of those 43 went on to be All-Stars. Wow. What do you think of that? Right. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, going through the top 10, as I like to do, Orlando had the first pick. They took Chris Webber. Uh, C-Web. Followed by Philly taking Sean Bradley second overall. Oh, Sean Bradley. Uh uh, Golden State took Anthony Hardaway. Penny. Jamal Mashburn went to Dallas, fourth overall. Isaiah Ryder went fifth to Minnesota. Calbert Cheney went to uh, the Washington Bullets, sixth overall. The Clippers took Bobby Hurley from Duke, seventh overall, followed by Vin Baker going eighth overall to Milwaukee. Uh, and the last two of the top ten, nine, Rodney Rogers went to Denver, and Lindsey Hunter went to Detroit. Okay. Okay. All so, right. And uh, actually, Detroit had the 11th pick as well, taking Allen Houston, which was a great pick. Uh, some other notables in uh, in that draft, in that round. I'd say, uh, you know, you got your George Lynch. You've got uh, Chris Mills, uh, Irvin Johnson, Sam Castle was a big one. Oh, yeah. Big ball Sam Cassell, baby. Didn't have mm-hmm. a big career, but I know it, it Raptors related. A.C. Earl went 19th overall to Boston. Oh, huge. Uh, Corey Blunt, I think he played a little bit with the Raps. Went to Chicago. That's who they picked after winning the championship for the third time. And my late but great pick would have to be Nick Van Exel, who went uh, 37th overall to the Lakers. Yeah, that's a, that's a, he had a pretty great he had a pretty solid career for a pick that late. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of late picks. Uh, Brian Russell had a good career too, as well as uh, Chris Whitney went to the Spurs from Clemson. Every time I see <laughs> every time I see a player uh, came from Clemson, I think of your father in law. 
Does he? That's right. He, he hates Clemson. Hates Clemson. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's Bruce his. Bruce Bowen was in that draft too. He was well. He was undrafted, but that was his year. Oh, he was undrafted. Ed Stokes is he someone he didn't play much, but I feel like is he NBA related? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Ed Stokes. That is a familiar name. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. Interesting. I'd say like um, safe safe to say that that draft was uh, soft. Yeah, the top ten was like okay, but like rereading it, I'm like it's not that. Um, oh wait a second, is oh I was thinking of Ed O'Bannon, who ignited the um, you know the 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 big the big suit to make sure that NCAA players get appropriately played for their namesake, because um, he was a guy he basically found a neighbor playing like an NBA 2K game with UNC. And like, this is a guy that, you know, was a car salesman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's me. Uh, and anyways, yeah. Um, Matt, let me just interject here, uh, even though I already am, and say that my pick here for the funniest name yeah. is uh, is 26 overall, um, Geert Hammink. Oh, wow. Geert Hammink. <laughs> um, played so eight that games like- over three seasons. Yeah, that sounds Geert. like me me trying to make up a name. So that's um, real. T- Geert Hamming. Geert Geert Hamming. Hamming. Um, Hamming. Oh my god. Hamming. Geert Hamming from LSU. Twenty six year old by Orlando. It's like you're in the business of ham. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, is there any more uh, any more notables? I, I cut you off, so. Um, I don't think so. I think I covered all the notables, um, but I do have a couple. Uh, just to finish it off, a few uh, trivia questions for you guys. One question each. Can you handle that? Let's do it. All right. Oh. Um, okay, so, Freddie, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Okay. What? These are kind of hard, so I'm yeah. This isn't a yes/no. This is this might be a bit tough. Okay, so sure. What do the seven all stars in this draft have in common? Ooh, and that I'll name them. That's uh, Vin Baker, Sam Castle, uh, Anthony Hardaway, uh, Houston, Mashburn, Van Exel, and Weber. What do they have in common? What do they have in common? Stat statistically, stat wise. Stat wise, oh, yeah. Okay. So, hmm, it's kind of an open-ended one. So I'm trying to think if it's like, uh, statistically, let's, okay, I'm just going to, it's a bit of a wild guess here. I'm going to say that um, statistically they all, um, hmm, based on the all-stars, okay, I'm, I'm stalling too much. Statistically they all averaged, 20 points in their career at least once. I don't know if that's even the direction <laughs> I was supposed to go. Can we, can we make guesses too? I'm afraid so. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That was, that um, was Matt's brain breaking. Before <laughs> very eyes. Um, uh, go ahead. I'll say they all averaged uh, at one point five assists in their career. Okay. Hmm. I think uh, they are all men who played in the NBA and possibly <laughs> achieved a single double-double in their career. 
<laughs> That's good. I mean, I think that there's a really good chance that you guys are all correct with these. <laughs> yeah. But the oh. answer I'm looking for is they're the the seven all stars are the only seven in the draft that uh, got over ten thousand points in their career. Oh, okay. So I was kind of heading in the right direction. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, I'm gonna give myself. Uh, I'm actually I'm gonna give myself a big donut because I, I expect more of myself. <laughs> Um, okay, so my second question, uh, I'll go for Thomas on this one. Who Ooh. has the second most rebounds? Uh, Chris Weber leads in a lot of these categories, obviously. Um, who has the second most rebounds, Sean Bradley or Vin Baker? Uh, I'm going to say, even though he got crammed on all the time, Sean Bradley. <clears throat> Correct. Oh. They were nope, close. He just got crammed on. Yeah, he's got one more <laughs> cram on him. Uh, no, it was Vin Baker had uh, 5,800 and change, and uh, Sean Bradley had 52. Ooh. So it was close, but uh, Vin played one more season than him, too. Um, now, the final question, Anthony, this one's for you. Okay. Okay, so how many players in this draft had a career free throw percentage over 80? Now, I'll give you three choices. 10, 6, or 12? Over 80%. Yeah. I will go with 6. That is correct. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) People Uh, sucked at shooting free throws back then. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That was uh, was the basis of that question. You know, no one one was good at shooting the the freeze at the time. Yeah. (laughs) But... Sorry, say that again. Who were they? The uh, Chris Whitney, uh, Alan Houston, Sam Castle, Chris Mills, Isaiah Ryder, Rex Walters, and that's it. So, like, all the big guys weren't very good at the free throw. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, Chris Weber was a six four nine. Sam Castle was, uh, he was an 861. I love how you say Sam Castle. Sam Cassell? Sam Cassell? Yeah, like like a cassette. Sam Cassell. But he was as big as a castle. Whenever I read basketball players' names, doesn't matter if they're easy or not, can be Vin Baker. Why do I always feel like Don Cherry trying to pronounce things? Honestly, <laughs> I, I was actually it's it's so interesting because you've had some you know pretty funny slips, but you've been rocking it with the with the draft from the past today with the the name pronunciation, and uh, <laughs> it's just the Sam Castle, Sam Castle, like, Sam Cassell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I I, I think Thomas, um, I'm gonna scold you later because I actually like listening to Matt uh, pronounce <laughs> things a little bit off. Uh, <laughs> I love it too. It's actually, it it conjured up these ideas of just what an enormous figure Sam Cassell was on. Yeah. You can tell that I uh, was watching basketball uh, very little at one point in my life. (laughs) 1993 was that year. Um, Sam Castle. Sam Castle. He's he's one of the most rapped about um, basketball players of all time. Hmm. That's a, that's a fun, that's a fun little Same fact. Person. Well, now I know. Uh, not, if, for, not for nice things though, Matt. I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, if I ever have dinner with the guy, uh, be it at a nice restaurant or a, or a Wendy's, I'm not going to screw up his name. Now. 
Okay. So that was 1993, guys. Take your beanie baby out of your pocket. Get back to the pleasant and wonderful times of 2020. I love how Anthony had you back with like his own sound. He's like, I don't know if Matt's going to do anything here. I guess I'll sound like a ghost. Um, I'm falling through a time portal. Yeah. You know, you're. You're you're so you're a supportive like guest here. Um, uh, let's uh, let's get into what I think we've alluded to a bunch already, which is um, the leadership of Michael Jordan. So I think this is a really fascinating kind of topic to explore because largely the the leadership of Michael Jordan has um, you know been the kind of like dominant uh, mode of winning in the NBA players have tried to replicate it. It's kind of like keep up with me or, or, you know, or else sort of thing. And I think that definitely Mamba mentality is a you know, big part of that is mod- Kobe modeling himself after Michael Jordan. You know, you see the guys like Jimmy Butler um, kind of like uh, Chris Paul is another guy. Um, who who kind of like rules with an iron fist sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, and, and here's where I thought the documentary was was a bit more open than than I expected it to be. Um, I think with the constant badgering of that rookie Scott, um, I'm, I'm losing his, his last name right now, but you know, Michael picked someone purposely who kind of took it in stride and was okay with it but there's a litany of basketball players who kind of just like crumbled under Michael Jordan, who couldn't keep up with his insults. Uh, Bill Wennington, the uh, Canadian center uh, on a podcast with a, with a, I believe it was Howard Beck. It might've been Kevin Arnovitz, but he talks about having to stand up to Michael and he actually threatened to put a snake in Michael Jordan's locker um, after one practice. And, you know, Steve Kerr talks about losing it and Michael obviously respected that, but um with all of this kind of like preamble aside, uh, Anthony, I, I, I want to start with you, but what do you feel like uh, about Michael Jordan's leadership? Is it the only way? Uh, is it the best way? What, what do you think is the best version of leadership? Hmm. So I think the way that Michael Jordan led his teams and the way he behaved with like his fellow players was the only way that like he knew how to do it so like i don't super fault him for that like it's the way that like he thinks and if he's the guy then like if he has a proven track record of winning then i guess you follow his rules but like obviously it would suck to be in a place and playing for a team where you're like oh man i like really don't have fun here. It's like showing up to work and your boss being a dick, despite like your business being really awesome. Like, it's like, Oh man, I love my job so much. It's a dream. But when I show up, my boss just yells at me like for my entire shift. Like that obviously is pretty like, um, hurtful and and crappy to be around. But is it the only way? No. Like, I think it's been proven that, there are definitely better ways to lead and ways that are more positive. Like even looking at like the championship Raptors team, like I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody in that locker room was like yelling at guys, not getting up shots or like not guarding hard enough or like 
you know, like threatening to like fight people or, you know, even like punching people in the, the eye. Like it's not a thing right. that would happen. And maybe that's a byproduct of the NBA changing, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how exactly I feel, but I think Michael Jordan is just like one of those like guys who is very type A and must win. And like, that's the only way he knew how to communicate to his teammates. Yeah. I think it's a really salient point, kind of like referencing the, the context of the time he was in and, you know, the person he was, um, I don't think he has a lot of regrets. Um, and I think that uh, he won so, so much that it's really hard to argue against his his choice of behavior, honestly. Um, if, if, if the end goal is winning, um, and I think we're seeing from this documentary that if your only goal is winning, uh, you definitely lose at other things. But, um, you know, just kind of... St- keeping the narrow minded, you know, view on sports, uh, Tom, where, where are you at on this? And, um, you know, uh, Anthony referenced kind of the cocktail of leadership that the Raptors had. And I think it was probably on the healthier side, but yeah. Is there any types of leaders you would use as an example, um, past or present in the NBA? Um, and, and do you think Michael's leadership was, was warranted and or necessary? Uh, I think it's weird to talk about it being like warranted or necessary. It just is what it is. And that's what was seemingly like more acceptable at that time. And, and right. But I, in, in a hypothetical, do you think he could have won more if he emboldened his fellow teammates? Or no, do you think he actually would have lost more? I think I'm going to piggyback off of Anthony here and talk about like, that was just part of who he was and how he operated. And, you know, we can look at it from afar and, and talk about like, oh, was it right or was it wrong? It's definitely the way that he ran that ship. And, you know, he was the captain of that ship. And it was, it was you know, I know there was Jordan rules against him, but he had his own Jordan rules about, yo, if I'm, if I'm a captain of this team, like this is how I do it. And there was times he was put into check. But to, I thought Anthony was just bringing up some interesting stuff. And like, uh, yeah, I don't think the Toronto... Raptors are necessarily needed that, but from it's just interesting too when it comes from the star player, because often you can have those people that are a bit rougher around the edges that are motivating people, and maybe that would be our Kyle Lowry, who you know, as we would known, has had some interesting relationships with different coaches and whatnot, and we don't know exactly how he conducts himself completely with his 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 colleagues in, in the training facilities, but like, obviously Kawhi doesn't seem to operate through, through that, uh, being his, his focus of a motivator for his teammates. And, and we came out just fine. So I don't know. It's uh, that's probably the most, one of the more interesting things just about Jordan and the winning of the bulls and, and how he was and, and this whole documentary just shedding layers after layers about his style of uh, quote unquote leadership, you know? Yeah, it was, no, I th- it, it was, and it, it was interesting. And I don't know. Uh, we, we've all played a little bit of sports here talking and, you know, I've been on some great 
fun soccer teams. And leadership's a, just a, an interesting conversation that can go in so many different ways. Yeah, totally. And, and I think with the NBA too, you have well-documented um, different types of leaders. So I just think it's kind of interesting and fascinating that, you know, Michael kind of is the dominant force of the NBA, but you, you have so many different examples. You got Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, Tim Duncan, you know, Shaq, Kobe, uh, Steph Curry more recently, um, uh, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki. So I, I think there's a lot of different types of ways to win. And, um, you know, I, I think Michael's is probably the loudest and, uh, and that's kind of where, where I was going with this, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's also difficult to refute, um, the results, but yeah, speaking yeah. of, sorry, go ahead. Well, just, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like it, the results speak for themselves, but then the results in, in, in other scenarios, like what you just said with golden state, like, also speak for themselves. That's right. So, you know, but but because of the lure around Jordan, seen sometimes as like, oh, the best type of motivator or the best player is the player that's a fucking dick to other people. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that for sure worked for the Bulls at that time with Jordan. But it'd be hard to say that that is like the definitive way a leader should conduct themselves to motivate other players, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of leaders, I think uh, now's a good time to move on to my NBA 2K player. Uh, <laughs> Matt, if you have some inspirational music, um, and for the folks at home, you really want to turn this up because it's going to get you lifted. Like, you're going to get pretty excited, I think. So, uh, Matt, whenever you're ready. When this all started, the pandemic, I realized I needed an escape. And of course, it's a basketball escape. So I created a player in NBA 2K20, which is the current season we are in. That player was a 6'5", three-point playmaker, named Federico Rivas. He's got a man bun. I tried to make him look like me, and I haven't scanned my face yet, but uh, he looks a little bit like me. Anyways, let's bring you through some of Federico's most recent news and career notables. So just today, actually, March 7th in uh, 2K time, I got called into the GM's office, and Matt, you'll be very disappointed to know it was not Bobby Webster. And for everyone listening to this, they'll be very disappointed to know it wasn't Masai Ujiri. It was like some, I don't know, stock character. <laughs> I, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but they uh, they gave me um, free agency privileges. Like, this is Ooh. wild. Whoa. Um, they've already given me minute privileges like i can decide who plays more r.i.p terrence davis um but uh anyways uh they gave me three options so i want to keep the team as is but the centers are getting old i'm not sure what to do with with gasol or abaca and i couldn't select guys from my own team so i picked andre drummond tristan thompson bring the canadian home you know what i mean and uh and Jakob purtle can we get purtle back please oh hello uh, okay, so um, and you know I'll let you guys know when I, when I get to the off season, <clears throat> but uh, 
here's uh, here's number two. My current stats: fifteen points, two rebounds, and eight assists a game. On forty-eight percent from the field and thirty-four percent from the three-point line, with Oof. two turnovers a game. Oof. Number three. Here's some highlights. I am. Uh, I'm. I have a league-leading one-game assists record this season, which is 21 assists in a game. Um, I have three Rookie of the Month awards in a row, cough, cough, Eastern Conference. Um, and, uh, and also, I'm seventh in the league in assists. So I've emerged as like I'm pretty good at one stat. Now, number four, the lowlights. Uh, I recently went up against uh, Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis and Middleton basically murdered me. <laughs> Giannis had about like 300 dunks, and there were four separate times where I was crowned on an alley oop. <laughs> uh, I, I also had eight turnovers that game. <laughs> yeah. um, another low light the Raptors are still worse with me. So that hurts, um, and it's killing my escape. Uh, the Raptors are 32 and 26 uh, at fifth in the, for fifth in the Eastern Conference, um, whereas the real Raptors, uh, you know, without me, are 44 and 18 oh. um, at second in the conference. So I've <laughs> uh, I've made them meaningfully worse. <laughs> and uh, the last most important part, this is basically why I started it. Here we are, number five. What's next? I'm staring into the abyss. Will the abyss stare back? Guys, I've made it. I'm on the Western Conference road trip. It's March 7th. My next game is March 8th against the Sacramento Kings. And that's a back-to-back because the game after that is the faded Utah Jazz game when the league stopped. So, that's it. Um, uh, I'll take any questions that any reporters might have. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci here. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, I know. I'm taking a bit of time away right now. Uh, I just have a quick question for Frederico Rivas. Sure. Do you feel like Pippen gave up on his team? Yeah, I do. But I also feel like he got too much time in the dock. Okay. Uh, 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 I have another question, but it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm Anthony Scaramucci. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, eight turnovers uh, in one game. Can you just give us a little insight into what you said to your teammates when you got back into the locker room? I told them, just like you would, Scaramucci. I'm a front <laughs> stabber, right? <laughs> So I'm not a backstabber. I'm a front stabber. So get out of my way. Um, and I'm going to hurl some balls um, into the audience because I'm trying to make highlight style plays. Uh, is in for that. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, hello there, Federico. This is Jackson Ellis. I'm from Six Buzz TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I'm wondering... Uh, you spoke earlier about uh, Assistant General Manager Howie Carter giving you privileges uh, in terms of reorganizing the uh, depth chart and the rotation. Uh, I was wondering how you personally can influence the lineup 
so that the Toronto Raptors can become fully successful? That's a great question. I'm, I'm currently tinkering with that. Um, my first moves saw a demotion of Terrence Davis and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and a bit of a promotion of Fred Van Vliet and OG. But here, here's the deal. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, because of what's happened, Norm has emerged and he's on fire. Uh, but also OG's playing bad. So I think uh, I got to be careful with my tinkering. Okay, and I have uh, one more question for you. I'm wondering, uh, has your agent uh, gotten in your ear about any shoe deals? Um, How is your fan base? Like, are you uh, growing your fan base through community outreach, through uh, 2K events such as uh, Foot Locker appearances? Wow. Uh, that's exactly correct. Um, I haven't done any charity yet. Um, I'm waiting on that and I want to make sure I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, I want to make sure I, I have a bit of like an avant-garde charity, like Richard Branson, like, you know, personalized trips to the moon style stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I think I'm represented by Puma Gatorade and beats and I'm just I'm hovering under uh, you know just under 500,000 fans right amazing now. my jerseys uh, the you know they're not great the sales are it's 170th most popular jersey in the league and Federico are we going to be uh, expecting any collaborations with Drake at any point in time I really, really hope so. Uh, if I could, you know, get into that big empty mansion of his, I could be a fourth person in that, you know, that video that he did. So <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, um, thank you. Any other questions before Freddy, I, uh, uh, Hi, Freddie. This is uh, Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun. Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, my God. Okay. What do you got, Joe? This uh, question is in regard to your uh, your neighbor at your practice facility. Uh, okay. uh, we broke the news that the CNA C has been canceled for only the second time in 142 years. Where am I supposed to get a cronut now? And why does Trudeau keep taking away our rights? <laughs> um, I think to answer your second question, Trudeau keeps taking away our, our rights because one, he hates guns. Um, and, uh, and two, I think he's just like, he's a very diabolical man. And, um, every time he shaves, he passes a new anti-conservative law. So watch out for that. But, um, yeah, in answer to your first question in the cronut, <laughs> I would suggest, um, you know, Joe, it's not your part of town, but have a walk around Kensington. You'll always be surprised at what's there. And what you can find, and uh, if you turn if you turn the right corner here and there, you'll you'll wind up in Cronut Alley. That's all I'll say about that. Hey, Doctor Anthony Fauci here. <laughs> I say, hey, Joe Warmington, my prescription would be walk into Lake Ontario, okay? And Toronto, <laughs> Toronto would be much better without you. Know, <laughs> okay, Fauci, uh, Fauci that's uh, that's coming from a doctor, Mr. Warmington. Um, but uh, thank you so much for uh, for the update, everyone, um, for listening and um, and for for the amazing questions. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the final question of the uh, of the podcast before we wrap it up with quickish questions. Um, Matt, I don't know what stings you got left. I hope it's not the one that I'm dreading, but I need something. So, Maddie, whatever you got. 
Give it to me. <coughs> Can, Can somebody, somebody get, get nurse, nurse a, a fisherman's, fisherman's friend, friend <sighs> please? <laughs> I sound like John Mulaney on <laughs> <An> intercom. <laughs> I, not I don't a even COVID want to engage sting. with this. Not COVID. I have to say it every time. Okay, it's just in his contract. He has to have a sore throat, or he can't take the fisherman's friends. For anyone listening, uh, Matt doesn't have to say it every time. He could just include another sound of any kind, <laughs> but he insists on playing a fisherman's friend commercial <laughs> that just basically sounds like somebody coughing in a hallway, <laughs> dribbling a um, basketball. But here we are. Uh, Thomas, let's go to you first on this one. Um, and this is just like, take it whatever direction you want. But uh, watching this documentary, I think there's a lot of commentary on what basketball was and what basketball is. And um, yeah, is there anything that you're kind of, you know, has it reminded you of, of a type of basketball that, that you miss or or is there any part of the, of the 90s that you, you, you wish were you know, in, in the, uh, in, in the, you know, the teens, the 20 teens and the, you know, 2020s now. Um, like, yeah, no, like it was, it's just so different. It's like, you're looking back at a completely different time. And I guess part of it, like when you had posed this question to me initially, when we were talking before something that like, uh, I found myself like thinking about, not sure if it's true, just totally a, my own hypothetical thing. But a part of me does wish that it was still had a little bit of that 90s grit. I know the game was fast then, but I feel like it's so fast now. And I have no stats to this is this is similar to a pandemic video going around. Ha. No, no, you're, <laughs> dude, you're, you're correct. The, but, the pacing not, is much faster, much, much faster. So I, I wonder if the, like how fast the game is now, which I love so much, but I wonder if that like contributes to like, uh, like a, a higher amount of, of like severe injuries. I, I really don't know if there's more like ACL injuries or maybe it's that I had ACL surgery and that's all I think about. Um, but uh, I wonder if the game's just faster now and, and, if, and if there's more injuries because of that and if having it slowed down a little bit more in terms of it just being a little bit more, uh, not like back to the basket, but just harder to get into the paint maybe would have curbed some injuries or, well, I don't know, I guess I find myself thinking to part of that grit. I don't, I don't like seeing people fighting at all, but I definitely like seeing when there's, uh, you know, some animosity between teams. Which, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and t and Thomas, just in uh, just to kind of like add on to what you were saying, I think there's a lot of conversation around um, how to you know kind of like deal with with where we're at now with the NBA and the kind of like gradual changing of rules and you know the evolution of of you know where where we're at where we have James Harden now, right? And and I think you know certain people talk about shrinking the paint to kind of like you know, make it a bit easier to be a big man, um, losing certain things like, you know, um, like some of the hand checking rules stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, I think grit is something that a lot of people, I think there still is grit and sorry, uh, you know what? Uh, I lost my train of thought to add on to your point as well, Thomas, as far as health, I think it's a mixture, right? Because you have, you know, better science and a lot, you know, the idea that Michael Jordan started working out three years into his career is insane. 
Um, and, and I think that that is just not how things would go. Like there's a picture where, you know, Michael Jordan's dad is hugging him with a lit cigarette in, in the change room, uh, or the, or the locker room. So I think a lot of those things are, are, are not, or were worse back then, but also at the same time with these AAU games and, and, you know, the pace, you know, pace and space era, people's bodies and knees are wearing down faster and you have way more like, you know, ACL surgeries with, with teenagers. Like it's, it's a big thing now. So I think that um, there is some kind of like the, the, the NBA body has definitely changed. Um, but yeah. Uh, w- w- what about you, Anthony? Is there something that, you know, you wish there was, there was more of in today's game? Hmm. So I started watching basketball sort of in the newer era. So like, I don't really remember any of like the old stuff as fondly as most people do, but right. So um, it just looked ugly or, <laughs> um, but like, uh, in quarantine, I've been watching like a bunch of old playoff games and like old all-star games. Yeah. Me and, too. And I think like something that I miss is maybe like the, the pageantry, of it all like i feel like the the rivalries and like the characters um i know the real people but like i feel like we're missing some of that now like even though we have social media and there's easier ways to like trash talk when you're not at the court or like doing a press conference like i feel like the rivalries were just so much more um, interesting and strong um, in the early NBA or in the earlier NBA. Um, and I also just like miss like the mind games and like these like sort of the bully mentality of like the, the bad boy Pistons and stuff. Like I really would like to see like a team like take on sort of an identity uh, that's not just like we shoot a lot of three pointers. Like I want people to like, you know, have an identity that is like conducive with their play style. And like, and that would just be interesting to watch. Like, I don't care about James Harden doing a step back three every game. Like I want somebody to be like, Oh, like look at this center and this power forward. Like they are like guardians of the paint and they're going to block you all the time. Like I I miss that. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely been a, you know, a transition from, from strength to skill in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's different types of strength and different types of skill for sure. But um, I, I honestly, I think you guys summed it up with both your answers and I'm just going to read you what I wrote, uh, which I think is kind of like basically in the yeah, end in, in total agreement with what you guys were saying. So oh, I just, help. yeah, I, I, I just wrote, um, wait, sorry. What did you say, Anthony? I said, I hope it's a poem. Oh yeah, it's a really like it's a hot, nice like carpe diem style poem. <laughs> um, no, uh, so it's um, I, yeah, I, I basically just wrote here on my laptop um, that we need more organic rivalries, mm-hmm. comma. I'm not pro violence, but watching an and one in the '90s is way more entertaining than watching one now. And I was actually thinking of James Harden getting fouled on a three when I was writing that. And again, like, I don't want to see anyone. Wow. You really, tear- really, you really succinctly took our points and, uh, it's <laughs> like you read our mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's almost like I like, I ask a question and then I like listen to your guys answers, uh, before I make up my own, you know? Um, <laughs> But uh, we've we've made it, guys. This is this is the, uh, the the wild end of the podcast. Are you two ready for quickish questions? 
Yes. Hell yeah. Okay, Maddie, would you give me that quickish question sting? Uh, okay, um, here's how this works. You guys know what's up. I am going to stumble through these questions. I'm going to slur, stutter, lose my train of thought. Freddie, did You're... you get my message? I just sent you two questions we missed last week. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add those for sure. Um, wonderful. Uh, so I got to read these questions to you. And, uh, and you have to answer them as quick as you possibly can. Uh, you, you can't, you know, buy any time. You can't phone a friend. You just got to fire away. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to go Thomas, Anthony, Matt. Okay. Thomas. Yeah. What if MJ hadn't been assigned to AA to double a right away when starting baseball? The White Sox did this only because the lower level stadiums couldn't accommodate the amount of media. Could he have developed into a viable baseball player? Would he have returned to basketball in 1995, 96? Um, no, he couldn't have. He just didn't, what Anthony said, be too late in the game. And he was gonna return no matter what. Anthony. Mm-hmm. Do you think the NBA should do an alumni game? Who do you want to see play, and who do you think can still ball? Oh, absolutely. I think it would be so fun to watch an alumni game. I would like to see Shaq. I would like to see Charles Barkley. I would like to see Kenny the Jet Smith. And, hmm, who else can still play? Maybe. Oakley. Yeah, Oakley. Uh... I would like to see Patrick Ewing as well, even though, I mean, all the guys that I listed are horribly out of shape and old, but it would be yeah. very, very entertaining to see. I want to see Bill Russell. Court. Oh, my God. Lace him up, Bill. <laughs> Will are win. Are you 80? Um, <laughs> Matt. Yes. Who will be basketball's next great psychopath? <laughs> um, next great psychopath. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, what a weird question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but Joel Embiid came to mind. I feel like he's going to, you know, he's going to put on that phantom mask again and, and <laughs> go, go, just go mad. Phantom mask for sure. Good call. <laughs> Thomas, if MJ doesn't beat the shit out of Steve Kerr, who's the Warriors head coach today? Um, Mark Jackson stays there. They never win anything. Uh, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan uh, wins six championships in a row for the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> cures, cures, the, cures the pandemic himself. Final answer, DeMar DeRozan. Okay, this is kind of like a multi-layered question, so I'm just going to kind of give you each uh, little bits to answer. So, uh, Anthony, I'm going to start with you. Yes. How do you think uh, the mid-90s Bulls uh, how do you think the mid '90s Bulls team compared to other championship teams and ours? Rank these championship teams. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to say the, the the team, and you tell me if you think the Bulls that Bulls team was better. Okay. So Miami Heat with LeBron Wade Bosh. Bulls are better. 
Golden State with Steph, KD, Clay. Uh, uh, Tough. Uh, Warriors are better. Celtics with Bird McHale. Uh, Bulls are better. And uh, Lakers with uh, Magic, Kareem, or Shaq and Kobe, your best version. Mm-hmm. I think mm, Magic Kareem is better. Yeah. Fair enough. Matt. Yes. What other championship team would you like to see a documentary about? What other championship team? Um, well, I, I like, I'll just disqualify the Raptors because obviously I'd love to see the doc about last season would be awesome. But I kind of, after watching the MJ doc, I think I'd like to get a get deep into the Pistons when they uh, had that bad boy team. I want to I see some, I want to see behind the scenes how bad they were. Well, you got to watch that, uh, that 30 for 30 bad boys of Detroit. Oh, okay. They've already done it. Sweet. Yeah, man. It's well, a, it's wonderful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that team is like just wildly compelling. Uh, okay, last question, and everyone gets to answer it. Thomas, I'm going to start with you. Um, just give me the goods as fast as you can. Today is Kawhi Day. It's a, exactly a year since he hit that big shot. Um, where were you? Who were you with? How did you celebrate? Uh, I was at my house with uh, some very close friends. Shout out James, Dan Byrne, Val, Val, Dom, um, Hannah. And Francis, my girlfriend, um, and we, uh, we, like, I think we just collectively screamed and jumped for about, like, probably like five minutes, uh, and then we we celebrated by all having a drink and talking to all of our respective family members on our phones because they were all going crazy too. Anthony, where were you? Who were you with? How'd you celebrate? Okay, I thought I was at the Bad Dog Comedy Theater and that I was too drunk, but I remembered I was at my house. I was also very drunk, and I was with my roommate, Lorenzo, and we were watching it, and uh, when the shot happened, we both screamed very, very, very loud, and then we called our friend Jordan, who also um, is from Alberta and moved to Toronto with us, and we were just screaming and being like, what the hell? That's insane. Ah!" And then we continued drinking. Amazing. And tell Lorenzo I said, what's up? I would. Um, Matt, where were you? Who were you with? How'd you celebrate? Um, I was actually at home with uh, my then fiance, uh, now wife. But uh, I was having some streaming trouble. I remember with the game in the last five minutes. Oh, my God. And I was like freaking out. And I had to like, quickly move to a, an, an iPad. And I just remember sitting there. I got it going and watching it happen in my hands as the, the last shot went off. And my uh, wife came in beside me right at the end of the game. She wasn't watching it, but uh, she saw it too. And uh, I guess that's all she needed to see. <laughs> Hell yeah. Four bounces. Shocked the world. Um, I, I had just flown into Beaufort, South Carolina. It was uh, uh, six days before I got married. The, this shot kicked off uh, the best week of my life. And um, yeah, it was me, uh, my in-laws, Brian and Judy, and, uh, and, and my now wife, uh, then fiance, Caitlin. And uh, we 
I mean, I think we we were watching every second of that game. So we were just like racked with it was like one of the most tense games I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, we uh, we screamed and screamed and hugged and drank shots. And I watched uh, I watched the replay in every language I could find. Um, But that's it for the pod, guys. Uh, Thank you so much both for joining. Um, Anthony, thank you so much, dude. Um, Obviously, you you know, you've always got comedy stuff going on. It's weird times. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything people should check out or, you know, maybe a message to the world if you got none of those? Um, yeah, uh, my show Ming's Dynasty is uh, released on CBC Gem, all six episodes you can watch for free if you are in Canada. And exciting news, uh, if you're in America, uh, my show Ming's Dynasty has hit America and we are on Fuse TV Sundays at 11 p.m. And we're also on the Fuse website. You can uh, subscribe and watch the first two episodes and subsequent episodes there. And we'll also be hit uh, an app called Ficto uh, in the coming months. So uh, stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, be happy. Right on, dude. Um, Tom, what's going on, dude? Um, not much. I have a really good friend. He has a show called Ming's Dynasty. Um, <laughs> it on CBC Gem. It's free, and you can watch all the episodes there. It's also going to be on Fuse at 11 o'clock on Sundays, Ming's Dynasty, hype show. I've already <laughs> seen it, but if you haven't seen it, I'd say go see it. Uh, Thank you. I'll just shout out um, everyone doing all the heavy work, uh, either at home or at work, and uh, that's it. Thanks for everyone doing your part during this weird time. God God damn it right. I'm, I'm, every time I agree hard, I'm just going to be like that that bowler. Who God couldn't fu- yeah. Who couldn't find his words when he got the strike? God damn it, right? You did it, I am. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening to the pod, everybody. Guys, thanks for joining. Um, everyone, stay healthy, be well. And um, yeah, share, subscribe, all the good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. 